cannot forget. How can I forget what he's done for me? How can I forget that he made me whole? He picked me up. He turned me around and he placed my feet on solid ground. How can I forget? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when the children of Israel were crossing over, they, uh, they said, I want every leader of the tribe to grab one stone. And what I want you to do is we're going to cross over that Jordan. And when you come into the promised land, Brother Eddie, I want you to place some stones here in a place called Gilgal. And you know, every time you could come back to this place, you can look at this stone and you could say, my God, I remember when God brought me out of Egypt. I remember when I was a slave. I remember when I was in bondage. I rem You just start thinking about all the things that God has done for you and something just begins to stir up on the inside of you. And you could just say, how can I forget? How can I forget of all the things that Jesus has done for me? Come on, somebody, you wanna just clap your hands one more time and shout unto God. Come on, shout unto God. Woo! Can someone just look back and be thankful for where God brought you from? Woo! Amen. And he's not finished with you either. He's got better places for you. He's got houses for you that you didn't build. He's got promises with your name on it. Is there anybody with faith in the house to just say, I got a blessing with my name on it. I got a promise from God and it's got my name on it. I got victory in the name of Jesus and it's got my name on it. Hey. Woo. Let's clap our hands. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise. Can someone just say hallelujah? Hallelujah, Jesus. Woo. Amen. Amen. Y'all can make your way back to your seats. I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord on a Tuesday night. There's no place I'd rather be than here in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 Somebody say Thursday night. Please remember, it's a reminder that Thursday night, we are having prayer and evangelism starting at 6.30. Somebody turn to your neighbor, say 6.30. Turn to your other neighbor, say 6.30. Be there or be square. Amen? Amen. You better be there. I'm going to find you. <laughs> Amen. I have the distinct privilege and honor to be up here tonight before you. Amen. It feels good in the house of the Lord. I'm excited. I know God's getting ready to do something incredible. And um, I just, I love each and every one of you. I'm so glad to see your faces. I love coming to church, y'all, because every time I come to church, I can see every one of you. Amen. So, we're here. <laughs> Let's stand all across this house. I just want to thank Bishop for giving me the opportunity for trusting me to be behind this desk. Don't you love your Bishop and First Lady? Amen. Don't you love your Bishop and First Lady? The, come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. I'm thankful for my lovely wife. She's right over there. My God. <laughs> now, forgive me, y'all. If I start just drifting over this way, it's just because I can't keep my eyes off her. So y'all forgive me, okay? <laughs> Amen. Um, I also want to thank the lovely youth, the youth in the house. Where are y'all at? There we go. Amen. I love each and every one of you. You know, we're all youth. Amen. <laughs> in the eyes of God, we're children of God. Amen. Amen. Um, before we start tonight, I just want to say that I feel, I feel something from God tonight. I, uh, Bishop asked me to preach and you know, it's nothing but the Lord. Amen. It's nothing but the Lord. 
And um, I want to make sure I encourage somebody tonight. Whoever you are, I feel like God has put me on your heart tonight. So I want to be able to talk to you. We're just family. Is that all right? This is just a family night. We're just spending some time together. Amen. Amen. We're going to go to two portions of scripture. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 18. Jeremiah chapter 18. We're going to start at verse 1. Thank you all for standing. Thank you all for being here. If you have it, say amen. Amen. If you don't, say hold up. Hey, thank you for being honest. Amen. I'm like that sometimes as well. (laughs) Amen. Amen. All right. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse number one. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise, somebody say, Arise, and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. One more portion of scripture, the book of Acts, chapter number 9. The book of Acts. I got to turn there. (laughs) Amen. Acts chapter 9 and verse number 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether, whether they were men or women, he might bring them, bound them unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, arise. Somebody say, arise. And go into the city, and it shall be told of thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise. Somebody say, Arise. Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings of Israel and the children of Israel. Can we just put our Bibles down and just lift our hands and just pray? Lord, in the name of Jesus, God, we come before you. We come before you as a body. God, we're asking that you speak to us, Jesus. God, we're asking that you prepare our hearts, God, our hearts of soil, God. Let them be fertile, Lord, for your word to come forth, Jesus. God, prepare our minds. Give us ears to hear what thus saith the Lord. God, anoint my lips of clay, Jesus. Help us today in this house, God, to hear your word, to hear what you're saying to us. 
God, we give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. Can somebody clap your hands and say in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know if I'll be before you very long tonight, for, but for just a few moments, I want to preach about how God takes a mess and makes a masterpiece. God takes a mess and makes a masterpiece. God bless you. You can be seated in the fear of the Lord. Jeremiah was a young man born in the midst of a weakening nation. Sounds like today. <laughs> Called to be a final mouthpiece to reach God's people. I can imagine Jeremiah, he was born, he was a church kid. He was uh, the son of a priest, so he was a church kid. And I remember, and I could just think in my mind's eye of God calling Jeremiah and maybe God and um, Jeremiah hearing stories about, you know, what it was like back in the day and listening to scripture and all this stuff. And I can imagine him saying, but how did we get here in this mess? How did we get here? Some of us can look over our lives and just say, my God, I did not expect to be here. Why in the world am I here? Are there any honest people in the house? Amen. Thank you for being honest. Amen. How did a God-fearing nation full of victory, full of the promises of God, get to this point where God was getting ready to send Babylon to destroy the nation completely? 322 years prior, the nation of Israel was at its greatest point in history. David, the man after God's own heart, was the king. And they were walking in victory. Amen. Not only that, but even after David passed the baton to his son Solomon, a man who was once in one point of time the wisest man on earth. They were walking in the blessings of God. My God, talk about great leaders. And the Bible speaks of how other rulers would come to see what Israel was all about. Do me, do me a favor, media team. Put 1 Kings chapter 10, and we're going to go verse 4 through 9. And this is what the Bible says. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believe not the words until I came and my eyes had seen it, and behold, the half was not even told to me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are thy, these thy servants, which stand continually before thee, and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighteth in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel, because the Lord the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he the king to do judgment and justice. I believe people all over the world are looking and tuning in to see what's going on here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers. Church, we better get ready because people from all over are going to start coming saying, how do you run your services? Why is it that you're having such great revival? Let me hear about the wisdom of your leadership. Let me sit down with you in leadership meetings and see what this is all about. Amen. And then they're going to come and show up and they're going to have a great time because we love to have church here. Amen. And they're going to say the half was not even told to me. How many people know that Bishop cannot do it by himself? It requires an amazing church full of amazing people. And I believe that's what we have here in this church. I believe we have a group of amazing people full of the Holy Ghost, full of love, full of joy, full of desire to please God, and full of blessing. Amen. 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 They were walking in blessing. They were walking in dominion. Maybe Solomon preached the year of blessing. You never know. <laughs> and if you go on to read 
that same chapter, 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 27, the Bible says, And the king made silver to be in Jerusalem as stones, and cedars made he to be as the sycamore trees that are in the vale for abundance. Rock Church, I'm telling you, there's going to be a point of time where silver is as stone here in this place. Oh my God, do I not have any faith in this house? I'm telling you, silver is going to be as common as stone in this place. I'm telling, whoo, Jesus, do I got any people with faith in the house? One million dollars will be a goal that we can reach in a couple of weeks. My God, is there anybody with faith in the house that can truly believe? That say, God, I can be a vessel that you can flow through. I don't have... I don't have to worry about my neighbor. If my neighbor doesn't want to get with the preaching, that's fine. I'll accept the word of the Lord today. God, you can bless me. God, you can use me. Woo. Amen. But we always have to remember where God brought us from. I have to be able to look back and think of a time when I was broke, busted, and disgusted, and God still considered me. And he still had a plan for my life. Aren't you glad to know that even in your worst days, that God has a plan for you? To know that the worst days you might have had, God still has something for your life. God still got some victory with your name on it. God still got a plan to prosper you. Amen. Amen. That is what always was, the, was Israel's problem. Excuse me. They forgot where God had brought them from. If you study in the book of Joshua, every time they would gather in this place called Gilgal, where the 12 stones were, they would always remember, and they would always go out and have victory. But there came a point in time in the scripture where they left Gilgal. They left the place where they forgot about what God has done for them. I'm telling you, we can never get to a point where we're so blessed at church that we forget where God has brought us from. We, ha we always have to remember. We have to keep in remembrance of the miry pit that God brought us out of. We always have to remember that if it had not been for God, I would have been consumed. If it had not been for his mercy. I never want to get to a place where we're so blessed that we never call upon God anymore. The blessings of God, the promises of God are yea and amen, but I still want to have a relationship with my king. I still want to have a relationship with the God who saved me. I still want to have the same exact fire from when God delivered me from sin. Amen. Can we clap our hands and thank the Lord for all that he's doing? Can we clap our hands and thank the Lord? They forgot how the chains felt. They forgot what it was like to have whips over their back. I'm telling you, church, let's never get to a place. Let's make a decree tonight that we'll never get to that place. No matter how much the Lord blesses us, we'll never get to that place where we forget about where we came from. We'll never forget of all the things God has done for us. Can I just stop here and talk to you for just a moment? That's why we always have to remember. We always have to go back to Gilgal. We always have help us. We always have to go back. That doesn't mean that we, you know, God delivered me from all this, so I have to act the same way when I come to this place. No, 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 that's not the case. You have to come and look back and just, you need to look at some old pictures in your phone and say, my God, look at the transformation God has done in my life. Look at the incredible things my God, 10 years ago, I never thought I'd be in this place tonight. But if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side. Hey. My God. I remember my little hoopty. Some of y'all know. We called it the blur. <laughs> it wasn't because it was fast. It's because it was so ugly. You just had to blur it out. Oh. Jesus, I remember <laughs> I had expired tags for about four and a half years. 
I knew all the back roads and every street. I always backed up when I parked so no cops would look at my tags. I remember, my God, I know. Pastor Trevor, I think I've picked you up in that car before. I remember it would have the doors, would, you wouldn't be able to open it correctly because everything broke. So you, if you weren't skilled, you had to reach on the outside and open it. And I remember sometimes, oh, Jesus, man, my God, I can think about all these things. But I remember, I remember being in the cold, going to work, having no heat. Anybody been there before? I know. The two weeks in Florida where it gets cold, I had no heat. And I remember putting a hoodie on and a blanket. And I remember just riding to work at 5.30 in the morning, freezing, seeing my breath in the car. It wasn't because my breath was hot. I just brushed my teeth. But I'm telling you, it was because it was cold. But my God, JJ, I remember when I got my new car. And I remember the first day that it was cold. I sat in the car and I cranked up the heat. And I said, my God, I'm thankful for where you brought me from. My God, it's just about the little things. It doesn't always have to be about the big things, but you can be thankful for the small thing. Woo! My God. Hey. Jesus. I'm telling you, I could, man, I remember at one point, I'm sorry, is this all right? I remember one point I had no transportation. So your boy... Your boy had a longboard, and I was over here. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, I was full of the Holy Ghost, and I was full of joy. It doesn't matter what kind of vehicle you're in. It doesn't matter what kind of situation you're in. If you got the Holy Ghost, you got joy unspeakable. If you got the Holy Ghost, you got something with you that these people don't necessarily, they don't have. And they have what you're looking for. They're looking for Jesus. That's what, hey. You know, that's why you can continue to go out and reach people. Because you know what, you can look at people, Brother Eddie, and you can say, my God, he reminds me of how I used to be. My God, you know what, let me give him a Bible study. My God, let me, let me teach them all the stuff that I had to learn the hard way. My God, and that's how you reach the lost. You want to know how we reach this city? You start looking back and remembering where God brought you from. That way it's easy on a Thursday night or Saturday or woo, when you can go and go knock on someone's door and say, Hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what he did for me. My God, and they can say, well, my car, you say, hey, 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 I've been there. Trust me. God's got a promise for you. Amen. And God's got a promise for every single one of us here at this church. I'm telling you, God's got something great for each and every one of you. Somebody, you just need to encourage yourself tonight and point yourself, say, say God has a promise for me. Somebody point to yourself and believe that God has a promise for me. Amen. Hey. I'm not trying to be stuck here, but I'm telling you, there's something powerful that happens when we look back and think about the things that God has done for us. When was the last time you remembered that you were breathing? When was the last time that you remembered, my God, I woke up today in my right mind and I'm here full of the Holy Ghost. I came to church safe and sound. I got a roof over my head. I got clothes on my back. I'm telling you, you got a million and one reasons to be thankful. You got a million and one reasons to look back and say, Woo, I'm thankful for where God brought me from. Amen. Amen. I pray we never get to that place, church. I pray we never get to that place where we forget. That's why I'm not a parent yet. But that's why we have to make sure we teach our, our children to learn to be grateful. Because this world is not my home. This world might seem enticing, but let me tell you what, there's nothing good in it. I'm telling you, some of you can look at your children and say, son, daughter, we're not, we're the only reason why we're in this situation is because of God's hand. 
I'm telling you, if, if we weren't living for God, that's what some of y'all need to do is just be blunt with your children. Baby, if we weren't living for God, I don't know if your, your dad and I would be together. If we, were live, if we weren't living for God, I'd probably be out on the streets doing drugs. But we're here in the house of the Lord tonight. Woo! Amen. Hey, y'all. Jesus. We'll just keep that between you and me. Amen. 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 We got to have passion for Jesus. We've got to have passion like no other. Amen. Solomon was the wisest person on the planet. And he was wise enough to realize that all these material things, they're just vanity. I'm telling you, you can have a nice car. You can have a nice house. You can have a fresh, crispy suit. But none of that stuff matters. Because if you're not living right, if you're not living for God and that's all you're chasing, baby, you're going to hit a dead end. And it's not going to be fun. Amen. Amen. And all it takes is one generation to lose this truth. That's all it takes. It takes one generation to lose the fire of God. That's why getting up out of your pew is so important. That's why preaching with the preacher is so important. Not only do you mix your faith with the word of God, but you're teaching your young people, you're teaching your children, this is how you worship. When the preacher is preaching, this is what you do. You get up, you clap your hands, you run the aisle. Hey, that's what I'm talking about right there. You know what? I don't need my neighbor to, to hype me up. I don't need my sister to hype me up. I don't need to look good to be out here dancing in the front. All I got to do is hear the word of the Lord and the Bible. Just like in the book of Jeremiah, it's like a fire shut up in my bones. I can't contain it. Something just begins to happen and I step out of the aisles and I begin to give God praise. Amen. Woo. Parents, now would be a good time to grab your children and bring them to the altar. Now, whoo, Jesus, y'all help me. Stop letting them just talk and chit-chat during, during the preaching of the word. If God can touch four-year-old children and let them receive the Holy Ghost, your child should not be on, on your phone messing around. Come on. You have to be able to grab him by the hand and say, come on, come with me. We're getting something from Jesus. Tonight we're getting a word from God. That's how we make it through this trial. Hey. That's why I'm about to expose him. <laughs> it's not what you think. It's not what you think. <laughs> That's why I'll be, you see me, I'll be in prayer stop and I head to the back I say hey are you talking during pre-service prayer and then I say alright go on go on now go pray because you know what it takes one generation to lose pre-service prayer come on it only takes one generation to lose the fire of God it only takes one generation it My God. Uh, I'm feeling something tonight, y'all. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to get bogged down on this point right here, but it's so vital. It only takes one generation for you to be walking in victory, walking in the promises of God, and for you to say, you know what? I'm just going to give my children the best life they can have. They can do whatever they want. They can have whatever they want. They don't have to pay attention in church. They... Ah. Jesus. 
Jesus. Help me, y'all. Because I don't want your children to go to hell. And you shouldn't want your, I know you don't want your children to go to hell. But you know, Brother Desmond, you know what I learned? Come up here tonight. My God, in the burgundy suit. Yes, sir. Man, looking good. Amen. Brother Desmond, you know what I learned? I learned that the devil does not win by miles, but he learns by inches. He wins. He, he, uh, he wins. He wins by inches. He wins. Okay? So that's what I learned. So I'm going to show you. So this is what we think. We think that the devil's just going to push us around, push us around and say, all right, you can't move any further. You used to have that victory. Now it's mine. But that's not how the enemy works. I'm going to show you how it works. Come here, Brother Desmond. All it takes is an inch. To him, to Desmond, it's a, it might seem, man, well, you know, that's not a lot of room. All right, I get it. You know, but it's only a matter of time before, all right, I want more. I want more space. I want more space. And slowly but surely, the enemy will start pushing you further and further back. And next thing you know, you're going to realize you're so far from God. Where was I? I thought I was walking in the promises of God. Come on, how did, how did I end up here? Thank you, Brother Desmond. We could be like Jerem, Brother Jer, Jeremiah. How did we end up here? Inches matter. Space matters. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. If he can start taking pre-service prayer, what happens after that? He can start taking our worship. He can start taking our altar calls. He can start taking souls. I'm telling you what, there has to be a church that's flat-footed and say, no, 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 no. Pre-service prayer belongs to Jesus. Pre-service prayer does not belong to me chit-chatting with my neighbor. Pre-service prayer does not belong to me talking about how your day was. My God, how did we get here? One generation after Solomon passed away, the nation of Israel was split into two groups in one generation. One generation later, they were giving themselves to idolatry. What happens, young people, what happens when you're running youth service? What happens when you're running a Friday night? How are you going to act? Because you know what? It's not waiting until you get the position. It's you got to start, uh, you got to start leading now. That where's my young people at? That can say, I got to start leading now, George, because God's already called me to be a leader. I can't wait until I'm up on the platform. I can't. Woo. What happens when you become a first lady? What happens if you become a pastor? What happens if you become the youth pastor? What happens if you become the college and career pastor? What's going to happen when you become the children's pastor? It takes one generation to lose ground. It takes one generation to miss out and say, you know what? That last generation had some fire. I don't know where it is. That's why it's important. Uh, it's important that we have to pour into our young people. It's important that we have to teach the next generation about what it is to serve God. Uh. Sorry, all my youth pastors coming out of me. Forgive me. I got to be able to pour into them. Boys, it's not about cars. It's not about having nice things. It's not about wanting to have an airsoft battle and do all these things. It's about the lost. It's about God saving us. It's about keeping this fire for the next generation. It's about being able to be a leader. It's being able to go out in, those, in, those, in that city that's waiting on us. I'm telling you, and we can turn around and we can say, you know what? I was a mess, but God made me a masterpiece. I'm going somewhere tonight. 
Amen. Can I tell somebody, it's not too late to start being on fire for God. It's not too late. It's not too late to live for God with everything that you've got. You haven't messed up enough times for God to stop working on you. God hasn't given up on you. He hasn't left you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Hey, you might have messed up. You might have made some mistakes. But let me tell you, God has not abandoned you. God has not given up on you. God has not lost hope in you. Amen. I want to read my opening scripture tonight again. And I just want to, I want, I want you to read this with a different, a different mindset now. The people of Israel have been off and on living for God for 300 years. Given themselves to sin, idolatry, worshiping other gods. Some even forgot about him. Sometimes they didn't even consider him. Let me read this for you now. Verse number three, we're going to start. Then I went to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. It was messed up. It may, somehow it, it got messed up. It, it had a mistake, and it was messed up. It was marred. Oh, Jesus. So he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? We've made mistakes, church. We've messed up, but God has not abandoned you. Jesus. Somebody, I came here tonight to tell you that God has not forgotten about you. Music, you can come. I'm almost done. I want, I'm going to read one portion of scripture to you. I'm going to read a portion of scripture. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think about this. <clears throat> close your eyes. I want you to think about how God thinks of us. Psalms 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfieth the mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executeth righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. This is, what, this is how God thinks of us. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever. He hath not dealt with us after our sins nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are just dust. Rock Church, can I remind you that we might be in a broken and fragile state, but God remembers your state. God knows you're just dust. God knows our frames. God knows we're bound to make mistakes, but I'm so glad that he didn't charge me for the sin I've committed, but he's blotted out my transgressions. Jesus, we're just a pile of dirt. That's all you and I are. We're just dirt. You know, without God, we're useless. And that's what it was. It's just, if you go out there, you 
shovel a piece of dirt, congratulations. But something begins to happen when God takes his hands and he starts to place them on you. When we're just, we can be just useless dirt, something that people stepped on the bottom of the earth, but God sees it as precious. God sees it as something beautiful. God sees that, you know what? I see purpose in this dirt. I see purpose in you, child of God. God, help us. God can still work on you. You just have to learn to say yes. Can I ask somebody tonight, would you get on the potter's wheel and let him have his way? Come on, can somebody just say, God, mold me. God, shape me. God, would you mold me, God? Lord, I'm getting back on the potter's wheel. God, I want to be everything you called me to be. Come on, can we just pray for just a moment right here? Come on, somebody, can we just pray? Say, God, I've messed up, but God, put me back on the potter's wheel. God, I've messed up, but God, put me back on the potter's wheel. God, you can begin to mold me again. God, you can begin to shape me again. Here's the thing. Sometimes we don't like how it feels to be molded. When clay, I just learned this, when clay has to go on the potter's wheel, you know another word for the potter's wheel, you know what it's called? The throwing wheel. Because they take that piece of clay, Brother Titus, and when they want to mold it and they want to put it on the potter's wheel, they have to throw it on that potter's wheel because it has to stick. Because you know what? You can't mess up when the potter's trying to mold. It can't buckle under the extreme pressure and just fly off. It has to stick. And that's why some of us, we pray, God, mold me. And it hurts because you know what? It feels like we've hit rock bottom. But you know what? Let me just remind you and encourage you that God's just putting you on the potter's wheel. He's getting ready to mold you. He's getting ready to form you. You have this formless piece of clay. And the potter has to press and put pressure. It's not easy. It's not something that you can just do lightly. God just can't fix you with a snap of his fingers. He could. But in order to create a vessel out of you, he has to put his hands on you. God sometimes has to get rough with us. Sometimes God has to wake us up and say, I got to put my hands on you, son. You're not being everything I called you to be. I designed you to be a vessel so I can pour into you. But you're not ready yet. You're not the form I need you to be yet. So it seems like I'm taking some things away. It seems like I'm putting you in a box. But I'm just molding you. I'm just shaping you because you know what? He knows the plans that he has for us. He has thoughts he has an expected end of future for us. Jesus. Just like Paul in our opening text, he was on his way thinking, have, trying to get consent to kill Christians. Sometimes we can walk, we can walk along life's road we think that we're doing good. We think that everything's all right. But God has to strike us down. And it has to tell us to snap out of it. And he says, Paul, Saul, what are you doing? What are you doing to my people? And I believe it was at that moment, Saul was broken. He was blind. And that's when God threw him on the potter's wheel. Because you know what? I got to break you, Saul. I got to bring you to your lowest point where all you can do is put your trust in me. Let's stand all across this house. I'm almost done. He was blind, scared. But you know what God said about him? 
God said he's a chosen vessel. Because you know, the way God sees you is not the way you are right now. Because God has something special for you. God has your form already planned. He already knows how he's going to shape you. He already knows where to apply pressure. Ah, Jesus. And just like Paul, you're a chosen vessel, young lady. Young man, you're a chosen vessel. You can say, well, pastors for laws, I messed up. You see, I was a vessel once before, but I messed up. And now I'm broken. I got cracks. And you know, a typical potter, if it has small cracks, that's an easy replacement. That's an easy fix. But then you, can, you might say to yourself, you don't understand the kind of stuff that I did behind closed doors. You don't under the, understand the kind of stuff I was going through. But now I got a hole. Now I'm completely broken. I'm just a bunch of pieces. I'm just a vessel. I was once a vessel, man of God. But now I'm just broken pieces. What can God do with me? God can't use me. God can't pour into me. I'm broken. A potter is able to take Jesus vessels that are broken. You know what? The, he takes vessels that are broken and then, you know, he breaks them even more. And what he, he begins to do is he takes the same water that he used, that he molded the vessel with. And he puts the clay in the water and he saturates that hard clay. He saturates that hard ground. And he lets it sit. And eventually he begins to break it up even more to where you can't even see the broken pieces anymore. And he begins to let, he begins to move it around and stir it and do everything. And he lets it sit and he lets it harden and it's a reusable piece of clay. Let me tell you somebody, you haven't gone far enough to where God can't use you. You haven't gotten to a point where you're so broken that God can't use you. All you have to do is say, Jesus, God, I'm willing. I'm willing. You can put me back on the potter's wheel. God, you can break me into more pieces, God. I'm willing to be used again, Jesus. Can I remind us that God is making us into a masterpiece? Pastor Sloss, can you grab that thing for me? If you look up here at the graphic, you see a statue. That's the statue of David. And... You see, it's incredible about this story if you read on it, but there was a man and he was scheduled. He was the one who was supposed to make this statue and all marble and limestone and all this kind of stuff is, is just compressed dirt after thousands of years. And so they have this slate of marble sitting there and the first artist begins to work on it. And he begins to carve out this statue of David and he dies in the middle of the process. So all you see is just not even, a, all you see is legs and a block of marble. But then there was a man by the name of Michelangelo. And you know what? He, he took the responsibility to finish the masterpiece. And you see, the statue of David was dormant for 26 years. For 26 years, that was not touched. For 26 years, it wasn't worked on. For 26 years, it wasn't in the right hands. And you know what? We can be in a broken state for so long. A non-finished masterpiece for so long. But let me tell you, God hasn't forgotten about you. And you know what? The world is going to tell you. You're much more valuable out there. You're much more valuable. Why are you still at that church? 
You have potential. You can do so much more out there. I've got connections. I got something for you. But God is going to make you a masterpiece. And you see some of the tools that he has to use is he has to use a chisel and he's got to use a hammer. And I think back to the book of 2 Corinthians. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth for the second time. And he's telling him, he says, I'm going through this situation. I have a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, and it's come to buffet me. And I've prayed, and I've prayed, and I've prayed, and nothing's happened. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Can I just tell you what I think it is? I think it's the potter sending somebody as a tool to work on you. And you know what? It might hurt because some things are being chipped away. God, that hurts. Why? He says, I got something better for you. I got a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece, child of God. And I have to send this your way because I got to work on you. I got to mold you. You're not everything I've called you to be yet. We think, God, this is hard. God, I'm comfortable here where I'm at. Why? It hurts. The Bible says that we have to lay aside every sin and weight that does so easily beset us. There's some weights that you're holding that you're not designed to hold. That God sees people pass by and see, you know what, that's just a plain useless. It was once now a valuable piece of marble. But now it's just useless. But you have to remember God sees you as a masterpiece. I'm telling you somebody, I know who I'm talking to tonight. You think that you're messed up. You think that you're broken. You think that God can no longer work on you. You think you're finished. But let me tell you that God has a masterpiece in mind. God has something great for you in mind. Come on, somebody, can you stand all across this house? Come on, young lady. Come on, young man. You're a masterpiece. Let God work on you. You're a masterpiece. Let God mold you. Can someone come to this altar and just begin to lift your hands and surrender? God, put me back on the potter's wheel. God, mold me. God, take some things out of me. God, whatever you need to do. Come on, somebody, lift your hands. And now we stay forever in God's place. Come on, somebody. Let, let him put his hands on you. Let him shape you. Come on, somebody. Come on, you're precious. You're precious in the sight of God. Come on. Come on, God's still working on you. God's still working on you. God's still still got a masterpiece with you in mind. Come on, somebody. You haven't gone too far. Young man, you haven't gone too far. God can still work on you. Come on, somebody. Is there anybody who's willing to get back on the potter's wheel? Is there anybody who's willing to just say yes? Come on, somebody. 
You're a chosen vessel. Come on, God's still willing to work with you. God's still willing to work on you. God's still got something great for you. somebody you can't hide from God come on somebody don't hide from God God knows where you're at God knows exactly where you're at God knows exactly what you're going through but he's still willing to work with you Come on, somebody, just a few more moments. Come on, somebody, just a few more moments. Come on, God's going to take your mess, and he's going to make a masterpiece. Somebody, it's when you're at your weakest point. It's when you're at your most brittle point that God shows himself strong. Come on, somebody. He I'm calling 
You haven't messed up enough times. Jesus, I'm gone.